0: to the ramble podcast i'm your host joel primus father entrepreneur filmmaker athlete hopeful writer and dedicated wanderer i'm curious to learn more about how people live their lives their struggles passions and pains so every week with athletes entrepreneurs healers adventurers and beyond i'm going to have unbound and uncensored long-form conversations about people places pursuits and performance enjoy Hello, my wonderful, wonderful fans and friends and followers and viewers and listeners and those who stumbled here and accidentally and hung out for a little bit. Today on The Ramble, I have a guest who is a friend who I have been dying to talk to, and I'm sure you will you will uh, also appreciate uh, what he has to say and know why I was dying to to chat with him, given these wild times we're in. Cameron Wilson, my my friend, also my own wealth advisor, is a senior portfolio manager and wealth advisor and financial planner with RBC Dominion Securities. That is the Royal Bank of Canada for my US friends. Mr. Wilson provides access to a comprehensive range of services to help you grow, preserve, and transfer your wealth. A fellow of the Canadian Securities Institute, Cameron has a university background in mathematics from the University of the Fraser Valley, where I went also, but only for a hot second. A firm believer in ongoing education, he has acquired the advanced industry designations of Chartered Investment Manager, Professional Financial Planner, excuse me, planning, certified international wealth manager, and most recently, the derivative market specialist. There's a lot of letters there, and he's got them all. <laughs> he, uh, he harnesses his expert knowledge and over 15 years uh, in the financial industry, sorry, with over 15 years of financial industry experience to develop comprehensive wealth management solutions for his clients. Cameron is the son of two accountants. So the financial industry numbers and planning are in his blood. He is the husband of Laura and they have a son, Bennett. And as I understand it, Cam,
1: you just had a daughter. We did. She is, uh, well, I guess almost 36 hours old so oh. far and it's she's fresh. Yeah. Dude, what
0: are you yeah. doing here?
1: <laughs> when Joel calls, I, I listen. Right. So it's, yeah.
0: it was, I mean, you're in the jungle now. You're on the ramble, but you're in the jungle at the second. Yeah. Time. How it's was absolutely. the birth? Was everything good? Yeah,
1: everything everything went smooth. Like, you know, Laura carried a uh, little baby girl. We haven't come up with a name yet, so we are open to bribes if you're if you're interested, you know where to send the e-transfer.
0: I do. I got all your um, information. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. I carried up to due date and then uh, they induced her and we just kind of went through the natural process and baby was born uh, Monday night at 1138, eight pounds, seven ounces.
0: Wow. Congratulations. Thanks. 36 hours, no name. I mean, you're you're heading into uncharted territory, aren't you? <laughs> well, they've told us we've got 30 days.
1: Oh, uh, uh, is that uh, what the number is in Canada? That's the number. I'm going... So what happens at 30 days? Like, do they repossess the baby? Like, I don't get it. I think it's they just kick you out of our medical services plan because they give you a, a, an MSP number instantly. But you're kind of registered. They know there's a baby out there. So just no name yet.
0: Well, we had a, uh, I guess it would be an, unass- uh, uh, we had a doula, but we did not have a midwife or a doctor present at our home birth. And so technically our baby's not even in the system yet at all, does not exist wow. uh, three weeks later. And we just found out today that we have one week to, to file everything. So that, that 30 day number, uh, again, we don't know what happens, but we have to, we have to have affidavits of, oh of where, like proof that witnesses saw yeah. that my wife pregnant and then proof of people who saw the birth I was like, oh man, we didn't really think our uh, hippie birth through, <laughs> well, did we?
1: <laughs> that's, uh, that's bold. I'm impressed. I mean, it's not your first child, so you guys have been through the uh, the process a couple times or a few times.
0: Yeah. Well, my wife went on a very spiritual, medical, practical Journey uh, from the birth of the time frame of the birth first to the second, and it, it's what led to how we did the third. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's what she does for a living, and our children have been born into a very interesting time. And I was curious: did you and Laura did you ever talk about that? Were you ever like, "Man, this this world that we're bringing a new one in," or is it just the same situation that our parents always tell us, where every generation? always thinks the world has come to an end and too much change is happening. Like where was your yeah. head on that?
1: It was, uh, I mean, we definitely wanted the second child. It was uh, uh, in the, in the plan, you know, the rough plan because uh, unless you know someone who actually can predict the future, it was just like, yeah, it'd like to happen. And then it kind of happens like, okay, it's go time. And uh, yeah, bringing children into the world is just, a, it's a wild experience because you're going, is this the right thing? Is it the right time? You know, we joke, I mean, uh, Bennett, uh, Bennett's birthday, February 24th, has marked some pretty significant events in recent history. Like he was born Feb 24, 2020, which is basically the, the onset of COVID. Um, yeah, we, we'd start, in my industry, we started hearing about a pneumonia-type flu floating around China in early January 2020. And then it kind of, you know, they're like, Oh no, it's probably going to be a SARS type thing. And then he was born Feb 24th and, you know, we could kind of meet people. The hospital was pretty normal then, you know, a few people came over and saw him, you know, his first few weeks here. And then like, I think it was March 12th or 14th. It was like hard stop. Can't go anywhere. Can't do anything. Can't see anybody. So we, we actually even had photos of, uh, you know, the grandparents popping over to see him and they're outside on the, uh, outside of the house, and we're holding up, to, holding him up to the window so they can see him. Like, I even was approached from a few different news outlets saying, "Like, hey, can we use this photo?" I was like, "You know, like it's, I get it. It's a, you know, point and part in history of like, here's grandparents meeting baby, not for the first time, but coming over for a visit, and it's through the front window. Like, it was just, it was wild. And so yeah, we just joked like, you know, February twenty fourth, twenty twenty was also the top of the stock market in 2020. And it went on the worst one year, one month slide since the great depression. And then Feb 24th, 2022 is when Russia invaded Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think kids are just always coming in. There's always something happening in the world. Like the only constant in life is change. Like it's always changing. And humans, I think as a nature, you know, we focus on, Scary things. I'd say that's probably how we've become the dominant species on Earth. Is like big animal, run away. Fire, danger, run away. Like we survived. But that's also the other part of it. Is like we've survived. We survived this long because we've got critical thinking to overcome and adapt. Mm -hmm. And I know you mentioned like some people go, "Oh, is this the end of the world?" No. The other part of if it's the end of the world, no one's gonna remember because it's an event that is happened and it's done. It's it's over. Mm -hmm. But
0: it's the ending of "Don't Look Up." Yeah, you know, we're all just sitting around the dinner table, and uh, yeah. And then the other part is,
1: if you're here, you've overcome the worst days in your life you've ever experienced so far. And I've I i do not know where I've heard that or saw it recently. Was like, well, if you're, it's like if you're reading this, or if you're, if you're experiencing this right now, you've survived the worst day in your life that you that you thought was the worst day in your life. And it's, it's like, well, you know, we've all had some pretty brutal days but you got through it you you know persevered and you know like oh this is the worst thing ever and then you look back and go yeah it was pretty crummy but I got through it and kind of think builds a bit of that armor that when something else you know similar or something comes along you're like hey I've got this or not that you ever want to look at something like oh well they've got it worse I've got it better it's really easy to compare you know, someone who you think has got it better. I guess I get to see a lot of people's different lives or life paths. And sometimes that look looks perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. Everyone's got challenges. It's just life. And yeah, if you've, if you've made it this far, like you've overcome a lot. And just to be thankful for like, you know, we're, we're in Canada. Like we go to the hospital, we check in, we get good service like and you walk out with a newborn and not a worry of like I've got we, we all have friends in the US and it's like oh my gosh are we going to have coverage like yeah. something goes wrong I mean Canadian healthcare system isn't perfect it's if if you need urgent care you know I'll call it brain heart lungs emergency you get it yeah if you need your knee replaced you're going to wait a long time until you you know terrible but yeah. We've just be thankful for where you're at. And I think that's, I'm getting better at trying to practice that every day, being like thankful for what, you know, what I, what we've all overcome and just be like, okay, there's a roof. I've got clean water, access to food, pretty safe in Canada. Like there's a good chart and people can Google, Google it. I believe it's called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Phenomenal. Um it's just a triangle chart and it goes through like what are your basic needs food water shelter and the next level is like gets into some of your wants and then some of your desires and when you get to the peak of of the triangle it gets into like more spiritual waking like you've you've been thankful for everything else below and you're philanthropic and giving back and it's a just Google it, you know, Maslow's mm-hmm. hierarchy of needs. It's we'll put
0: that in the show notes for sure. Yeah. And how do you, when you're thinking about this and you're thinking about the times that we're living in, you know, you're, you're a stockbroker, you're, you're a wealth manager and that industry, although if we look back historically, no matter what has happened in the world, the market has over, you know, since what, the 1930s till today, it's only gone in one direction, despite what, you know, what might've happened in the world over, you know, in any one given year, but day to day, I mean, there's been so many, there's always bloodbaths. There's always, it's always fear first. It's always, you know, how many points is is the market down personally? Did you have to make a shift there? And, and then we can transition that into professionally how you're, you know, how you thought about the last two years and where things go are going to go from here.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you, everyone loves that, you know, bottom left, to top right chart mm-hmm. it, and it happens. I mean, you can throw a lot of things in there. When you zoom out far enough, it looks pretty good. We live longer. Yeah. Bottom left, top right. Like, we live longer. It doesn't go up forever. You know, access to clean drinking water, more and more people have that. Um, the day-to-day noise is challenging because it fear sells. I mean, I've got clients that work for different, you know, call it news or entertainment channels. And you know, if you think you're getting all the news in 42 minutes at 6 p.m., then you know, they're competing with Love and Enlisted and Flip This House and Dragon's Den and whatever else in Canada. It, yeah. It, yeah. You know, Shark Tank. Or then, if you think you're getting the same content from the news call it in 42 minutes, then you think someone can find, buy, renovate, flip, and sell a house in 42 minutes. Just like you're, you know, you've been on Dragon's Den a number of times. Do you think you'd, that whole clip was like 15 minutes? No, mm-hmm. you were there for hours. But it's condensed into the entertainment. And I think, you know, call it the rise of whatever it's fake news. I think it's just the term. People have started to dig in a little bit more of on information that they want.
0: Well, and that I've I've all felt like everything is fake news because everything is sound bites, everything is headlines, everything is you have if you're not digging in and looking around you're just not getting the full story anywhere because to your point, they can't, they Definitely. can't give you the full story. Right. And it's, it's not possible, but we're, we're not, whenever that shift happened, we weren't said, by the way, we're kind of just yeah. the tip of the iceberg now. And I mean, now in the last two years, more than ever, that's been the case. And are you, you know, from pandemic to Ukraine, Russia, I mean, that's a lot to handle in the markets. Are you thinking about things differently? February, well, more March, April, 2020 to, to now, as you know, things have had tough days following that news on top of you know, what we've just been through the last two years?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's always ongoing. There's always something that's popping up and you don't know if it's gonna be a spillover event. You know, we'll call it a black swan of, Where is this going to go? You know, COVID was a version of SARS, right? Sudden sudden acute respiratory syndrome. Then it mutated. We can, you know, they pick up all the detection of all these mutations. That spread even quicker. We've overcome it to an extent. With Russia, it's yeah, like COVID spread worldwide really quickly. Airborne, airports, flights, like it moved so quick. And that was more of a people event, right? That's a people and health thing you know, such shuts down supply chains, causes all kinds of disruptions. Um, You know, a port client, port work client of mine, he goes, every day the port was shut down is a week long backlog. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: He goes, we were shut down for a hundred days. I'm like, that's a hundred weeks. He's like, yeah. He goes, we're so far behind. And it's great. Vancouver reopens, but it's the other ports too that have to reopen. And then when you've got different outbreaks at the same time happening around with different, you know, rules and restrictions, it really kind of buggers things up. Now with Russia, people are like, oh, it's only 3% of the world's economy. Yeah, it's not very big. However, you know, they could say, you know what, we're not exporting any more titanium. Now Airbus and Boeing have a big problem. Mm-hmm. Jets don't get built. Italy, you know, demands 100 percent of their oil from Russia. So, you know, the Italian prime minister or president came out. He didn't speak terribly negative about them, because you know, they cut the supply like he's got a major problem. And that's why we kind of see the oil demand and spike hop up is, you know, if, you know, Italy was cut off from from Russian oil, uh, they've got to go to market and buy it somewhere else, whether it's Saudi or, you know, Norway or Africa or North America. Hence, people kind of started saying, hey, I need to start making sure I've got supplies on hand. Um, Wheat.
0: You mean people or countries?
1: Countries, um, but for people, because like, you know, even companies, let's call it in BC, we've got Fortis Gas, we get it fairly domestically. But if you're a gas provider in you know, Italy and you're not producing in Italy, you need to find another source. And it's not like it gets trucked in. Pipeline is your best bet. And so it's a supply and demand mm-hmm. issue, right? Hey, there's a certain amount of supply that could be cut off and we still have the same amount of demand. We better go find it you know, you can always add this in is like, take a look at the price of wheat recently, price of corn, like wheat really spiked. You know, I think it went from 1800 to 1500 uh, per bushel in a couple days. Mm -hmm. So it takes a while for that price to trickle through the system. Imagine buying bread one day and it's $4 and the next day
0: it's eight. But gas doesn't because gas jumped instantly And has continued to rise, at least here in Canada. Yeah. It doesn't have that same trickle down that.
1: No, a lot of the companies will hedge their gas. So they'll be buying production months or years out, saying, hey, we, you know, Chevron, whoever it is, let's say Canadian company Esso goes, hey, typically in March, we need 100 million gallons of gas. Okay, well, let's buy some for next March now. And the March after that, because we know what the general use is going to be. So we don't see when oil spikes, we don't see the same instant effect at the pumps. And people think, oh, it's the gas stations gouging. They're just trying to maintain profit. And right. we live in a capitalist society. You know, Our pensions are based on a lot of companies that need to earn a profit. And
0: it's... Is that the same... A- that's obviously the same with your 401k as it is with your Canadian pension plan that it, you're, they're all based on obviously companies that need to make a profit. So how does that change? I could be wrong about that. So correct me if I'm wrong, but how does that change how someone needs to be thinking about where they're putting those investment dollars today, at least how you're thinking about it differently? Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's a good book out there called thinking fast and slow. Um, from Daniel Kahneman, um, if I've pronounced his name right, is you've got to think about the short-term, i.e. gas price today. But thinking long-term of, in 20 years, are we going to have gas cars? So it's, and that's how I'll look at investments and going, okay, what's good today? Where is the trend today? Where is the trend in the future? So the trend today would be like, hey, can I buy TikTok? Great. That is a, that is, that is a trend today. I'll look at step back and go, okay, who uses it? Okay. Typical demographic, 18 to 38. My mom has no idea what it is Mm -hmm. And you're probably not letting your kids on it yet. So I'll call that a more of a trend type of investment, but then a long-term trend would be like, what do you, your kids, your parents and your grandparents use every day?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That'd be like Johnson and Johnson. Like we're brushing our teeth, you know, toilet paper, which is like Kimberly Clark toilet paper. I mean, maybe we've gone from leaves to papyrus to paper, then soft paper. What's the difference between now and what we had 20 years ago is we had one ply. Now we got like four ply or maybe eight ply. If you really want to get fancy.
0: How do you, how do you you mark the, when you're talking about TikTok being a trend, or well, you know, at one point Facebook being a trend, and now call it Metaverse being a trend, or, or Facebook being Meta, and saying, well, that's no longer a trend. You know, big tech owns so much of it, and and then you know, it's not just that these days because now we're talking. Well, is NFT, are NFTs a, t- a trend? Is Bitcoin a trend? You know, Biden just announced it that they're moving to regulate it as a result of the war. Mm -hmm. It it jumped up as of, you know, when we're we're speaking. So, you know, where are you saying these things are, these are trends, but you see where you're pegging that this trend just becomes the norm.
1: Yeah. When does a search engine? I use Google, like we tend to use it pretty often. A lot of people use it. Your kids use it. You use your parents use it. Great. But Google's the one that survived. You know, we were, we were, you know, Late teenagers, early adults in the internet era in the .dot com. What happened to Excite, Hotbot, Ask Jeeves? You know, Bing's still around. Yahoo, Web Crawler.
0: Ask Jeeves like, isn't around
1: anymore. It probably is, but it's the last time you used it. You might get a you know bad gateway error. Four it hundred four doesn't exist. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's great thing about like working with clients is you start to see what they start reading or get interested in of like. Hey, what do you know about this like Bitcoin thing? Or can you explain it to me? <laughs> so it's that's why I love. I love what I do because it's like always learning about new things. Like, what the heck is an NFT? And then when you tell clients, Hey, you've pro- have you gone on an airline? Yeah. Do you ever download your boarding pass to your phone? Yeah. That's an NFT. Like, it's your serial number of a boarding pass on your phone. You can't fake it. It's assigned to you. You can send it. I mean, say you sell your. Your airline ticket, you can send it to me and I can use it. They're like, oh, so that's what it is. I'm like, yeah, it's like digital hockey cards. Sure, the Wayne Gretzky, you know, mint condition hockey cards got a value, but it's a store of value. Like it's just a store of wealth that someone thinks it's worth more. NFTs yeah. are digital version, but maybe it's a digital conference pass that you get three meetings or three phone calls with a mentor or act, you know I'll buy an nft to let's say Rogers Arena in Vancouver that gives me unlimited access to every event they've got and I can will that and transfer it down my generations like
0: i had just uh, i had just heard that the f- the very first original barbie was 3 bucks which was pretty expensive uh, yeah. back then and now if it's still in mint condition it's 8 8,000 plus dollars to buy one of yeah. those things. And what makes me curious is now that everyone's kind of getting the idea that there's potentially some money in some of these things, like those other things that they definitely didn't keep in mint condition, you know, and it's easy to keep something digital in mint condition. Do you think that there's going to be a lot more people being finan- uh, making intelligent investments into coin, NFTs anything in this web 3 that's going to result in 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 more transfer of wealth to the younger generations than you know has historically happened
1: it, yeah I think I think it's a thing not entirely sure like how long it'll last yeah will it last yeah I think it will will it will it be a long-term trend that you know we've got to we've got to deal with yeah different you know, let's say our parents loved having hockey cards. Do they keep it in my condition? Maybe not. Um, one of the best performing, call it assets for wealth has been art.
0: And wine ten- too, right?
1: Art and wine, whiskey's yeah. picking up now.
0: I shouldn't drink my whiskey and wine. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, <laughs> we should be doing
1: that. We should be doing this in person. I, uh, I've i got a, a couple nice ones around. So, you know, say, say I've got, a whiskey bottle that I passed down to my son. You know, does he find interest in it? I don't know. You know, it's value is call it a number or something that someone else places on it that somebody else sees value in. Because so if I give you a business card, you know, great. Thanks, Cam. That's awesome. But if someone else goes, oh, I really like that, all of a sudden it's got value and like yeah. you've got the one business card. Yeah. So NFTs, I think are going to be there. I mean, you've got some of the original ones called like, you know, CryptoPunks or, you know, board,
0: Ape yacht club, right. yacht clubs. Yeah.
1: It's, it's the Google. It might be the one that makes it, but there's what, 20,000 different cryptocurrencies. You and I can create one. Yeah. Yeah. Some wild west still. Right. And they all, you know, someone's like, they all operate differently. Like Bitcoin's got a, Cap supply. Some of them issue five billion more coins every month. Some take back five million coins each month. They're kind of like stocks. You really got to dig into the coin, find out what its utility is, and if it's going to have long-term value. Like
0: on that note, Cameron, like you know, traditionally speaking, the old adage was 60 percent stocks, sixty percent bonds. I th- or sorry, forty percent bonds. Are you? I don't like someone like a broker. Probably at least in Canada, isn't dealing with with getting guys and gals into coin, uh, in ter- because it's not regulated to the extent that it needs to be. Or correct me if I'm wrong, but have you? Is there? Are you advocating and saying this that model's gone? And here's how I'm I'm p- piecing it. And yeah, if you have the money to lose, you should buy, research, and buy a little bit of coin, and buy a couple of the nice reds and store them away in the basement you know are you is there any sort of change in that approach and you know it doesn't help your business if they're putting a bottle of red in their basement but
1: you'd be surprised so I, I we can't advise clients to buy it at the moment based on how we're licensed i will say people should diversify beyond the traditional 60 40 60% stock 40% bond How they diversify is is kind of up to them. Some people go, hey, no, I own a bunch of real estate condos and office buildings and industrial parks or mobile home parks. I think it's too much diversification can hurt you because you've got 50 million eggs, 50 million places. It just doesn't work. Every and everything works in cycles. You know, there's there's funds are out there that, you know, I can't buy a Monet or a Picasso, but there is a fund that owns it. So I can buy a sliver of that fund. And now all of a sudden I own one, one millionth of their art collection. So it's a way of getting in to call it alternative asset classes without, you know, trying to come up with I don't know, $10 million for a Picasso. Uh, I can find 10 million friends that can kick in a buck. All of a sudden we can all own it. Um, and you're seeing that the new term coming up is DAO, D-A-O. Yeah. These- Decentralized organization. No, decentralized autonomous organizations. So, we form a group, and there's a million people, and we vote on initiatives. So the DAO would be specific to saying, "Hey, we're interested in acquiring art," and we all kick in a hundred bucks. You know, there's a hundred thousand of us, and all of a sudden we have ten million dollars, and we can go and acquire art. And you vote on essentially all the holders or shareholders would vote on initiatives to buy or sell it. Um, the
0: DAO, the DAO has always intrigued me. I've just, you know, if you're talking about shared ownership of a thing, the thing that's always made me concerned is the share is the shared management of a thing within a DAO. It's, does that concern you? Where this idea that there's just these smart contracts in place that I, I don't. I guess what I'm really saying is I don't understand the idea is that a bit stick it to the man, if that's fair to say, and saying like the old way where CEOs and boards and there's a bureaucracy and there's, and there's sort of human control, this gets rid of all of that and it's sheer consensus. Yeah. And I just feel like the same amount of error still resides in what that can be. Yeah. Um,
1: And I mean, say, call it with the, you know cryptocurrencies and the the NFTs because it's unregulated and even potentially with the DAOs are unregulated. You know there's been issues where in the code in the source code, people have picked up and been like, "Hey, the guy who originated this can flip a switch, re- redeem all the shares, and he has 100 percent control." Yes, and we've seen that happen with a few NFT projects. The creator flips a switch, he takes back all his pictures and he keeps all the money, and it's like how did that just happen? And-, and
0: nobody knows who he is.
1: Yeah. The other, yes. The other part is you see the web address, but But you don't really know who it is. You know, the, the wallet address. And there's no enforcement. It's like, well, didn't you read the smart contract proxy? Well, no. Well, that's, it's kind of buyer beware. And that's where, you know, I just go, Hey, if people are going to do that clients, like we can't recommend it. If they want to do it, it's they're kind of on their own because there's, there's no regulation. Like, you know, we've seen it in, the regulated markets. If you know a CEO or a company absconds with money, there can be a class action lawsuit, and hopefully there's some recovery. Mm-hmm. But yeah, with the cryptocurrency, like it, it, it's gone, gone. There's no, there's no coming back. And I think it's the other part. I mean, partially on the social media, and even with you know Meta has transformed, you know, as different generations have used it.
0: Just for those listening, DAO and DeFi are different things. Yeah, and can you just quickly ex- because people are hearing these terms like NFT, non fungible token, okay, Bitcoin coins, blockchain, etc. People kind of understand that now after five plus years of it slowly and surely being hammered into our heads. Uh, understanding what it is is a very different thing than understanding how it works or how to invest yeah. in it. But just, just it's maybe just DeFi. Just touch on DeFi really quick if you can.
1: See, I'm still getting up to speed on some of these too, because you know, I go, "Hey, can I invest in it? Is it worthwhile? Is it worth my time digging into it?" So, de- decentralized finance essentially, kind of in traditional finance, stocks, bonds, investment funds, Visa cards, credit cards, um, bank accounts. So, decentralized is taking it, you know, onto a blockchain where peers are lending to peers, providing financial transactions that way. You know, I can send you coins through my wallet, everybody can see the transaction. They just can't see that it was me or see that it was you until there's a potential identifier out there. And that's that's where I think potential security risks happen is we've heard of some where Billions. they post- Oh, Billions. yeah. Billions and, of
0: fraud in Bitcoin in the last year.
1: Yeah. And wash we call them wash trades. Yeah. So where there's two, call it traders, colluding to- Increase the price of something, and then find someone else to buy it. So,
0: which is you know. no different than they have done forever in public stock markets, Sockmarks, right? Yeah. It's but if you're in the public market, itself. you've got
1: an account. You're in the public market, you've got an account with me, and I know who you are. Yes. With the crypto space, it's like all they can see is a wallet address, and it, you can instantly create a new wallet address. And if it's, you know, if it's a wallet through a Canadian institution, hopefully they've done some KYC, you know your client. But if it's it's not hard call it for a Canadian to open up a you know, digital wallet address through Turkey or Istanbul or somewhere foreign that's willing to let it happen. And you know people have posted photos of their board ape yacht on their Twitter or Instagram. You can go and find it on you, know, Open sea where you can see all these NFTs. Find the one. OK, this guy's posted it. Now, I, now all of a sudden I can see your wallet. And I can see all your transactions. And if someone's, you know, nefarious, they can try and dig in, figure out who you are because they know, because now you've identified essentially your credit card number with the expiration date. They just don't have the CVV number on the back. So it's, they're, you know, if they think, Hey, this guy's got 50 board apes worth $50 million it might be worth trying to hack. Them. And that's that you're seeing a lot more of that. And the blockchain is great because it, you know, ideally prevents some things, but it does open It's not perfect. Like yeah, humans, he- it works perfectly in a perfect society. Like perfect society, we may not need government or police because it's, we're well-regulated humans, but fear and greed are crazy emotions and people do some, some wild things.
0: Yeah. I, I've always, Like as an entrepreneur, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur, you know, outside of of managing money and 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 you know being in the markets, you're an entrepreneur. And we always appreciate innovation. We always appreciate and are first to say yes. And the thing about, I can't make heads or tails of whether or not all of a lot of what Web3 is, is, you know, in the spirit of innovation, or is it just a new web asset? class money grab or is it really is it really a way to say hey you know with with the US dollar and all these different things pegged to oil and we can really make the world a better place if we create other alternatives to, uh, to the almighty dollar I, I don't know do you have an opinion on is it just all of the above really all meshed into one very fast chaotic Environment, ever-, ever changing environment.
1: Yeah, it's ever changing. I mean, go back twenty years; it's two thousand two. You know, and you said, okay, everyone's got a cell phone that you can live stream photos in high definition, like real life, for free. <laughs> be like, come on, like you know, <laughs> a thir- a thirty-two inch t- tube TV, you know, would have cost a thousand bucks. You can get a sixty-five inch flat screen for 400 bucks now granted that's the devaluation devaluation of money but it's also innovation in there too of like humans i always think of like wants and needs what do you want and what do you need you need food water shelter you want an iphone 13 blah 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 but you don't need it and so there's always going to be the needs everyone's got different needs and differentiating like what's a want and a need you know Wants tend to be a bit more of a short term trend, potentially. Like, I want to have a TikTok account, I want to have a Bitcoin address. And the cryptocurrencies are just too volatile for day to day use at the moment. What will come down the road? We'll see. You know, if I'm paid in Canadian dollars or American dollars, I have an idea like I can get paid 100 bucks today, it'll get me a bag of groceries by 5 p.m. If I'm paid a Bitcoin in the morning and it only gets me a half bag in the afternoon, that's a it's a problem, or if you're paying
0: <laughs> is mortgages, it still, is it still the same though? With all, you know, inflation. I don't know the difference between Canada and the U.S., but you would you had told me some stat years ago that something groceries were something like seventy percent more expensive than a decade prior. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and that's where I think people get so freaked out when they say, "Is my hundred bucks really?" really a sure thing as to whether or not I'm going to be able to put food on my table.
1: It's, and that's just pricing power. That's just losing pricing, but it's the acceptance and it's the, it's somewhat stable. You know, if a gallon of milk is for, you know, five bucks today, you've got a pretty good idea. It's going to be five bucks tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Controlled inflation is good because it gets people spending money. So if you know it's five bucks today, but it was $4.99 yesterday, $5 today, you'd be like, you know what? I need to go I need that gallon of milk. I better buy it today because it'll be 5.01 tomorrow. So, slight inflation is good cuz it it gets money in the system. Deflation is a bad thing. So if you knew it was 5.01 yesterday and it's 5 bucks today, you're not going to spend your money until you absolutely need it. So you're going to stretch that milk out for another week because you might be able to get it at 4.90. So deflation is when prices are going down.
0: But well, what about it- the difference between the, the it, controlled inflation of things that we buy and use, but, but the, the, the money we make being trailing far behind that.
1: So yeah, then you're separating goods and services. Mm. So there's goods inflation and then there's services inflation and people go, Oh, it's the supply and demand of, of uh, oil and gas. No, it's really the supply and demand of money. So when more money is put into the system, i.e. what we saw happen in March, April, 2020, was i the printing of money it works into the system in different ways it allows banks to lend another mortgage that gets into the system and if people have more money there's more demand for the goods hence the price prices creep the the lag is the services so at what point trying to find out a figure out a formula that makes it all mesh is basically impossible. I
0: can
1: you know, I have, smart... Yeah, go on.
0: With, with with that, when the more money floods its way into the system and you said it's a good thing if you put that money back into the system if you spend it. What about if you didn't spend it? What about if you just invested it? You know, I think I read something that if you had put in the last year X amount in the bank, your interest would be something like 0.06 or plus. Yeah. If you put it in the markets, it'd be... Double digits, and if you put it in the housing markets, it'd be twenty percent. What's the What's the tactic on that when it you know the government's writing checks so there's more money coming into the, your business because people are spending more? You, should you spend more or should you keep it in the system? I know it's a very simplified question, but I I wanted and to it ask.
1: Kind it. of comes back to you know diversification of like yeah the cash in your bank you know does it buy less than it did a year ago yeah, but if it's If it's there for a purpose of like funding a payroll or day-to-day expenses, I don't need that to be at risk. So earning nothing on it lets me pay my forest bill. Mm -hmm. If I've allocated a portion of what I've earned to be like, hey, I'm not going to use this for another twenty years, how much risk am I willing to take for what potential return? So that's I'd say it's my you know that's a lot of my job is assessing someone's risk appetite and then tolerance. Everyone's like, "Yeah, I can take a bunch of risk." Okay, so you're okay with it going down. "Oh no, I don't want to see it go down." Okay, so then it's <laughs> it's digging into that and like, so when are you going to need this portion of your funds? And just being diverse, you know, diversified, you know, what? Oil's kind of taken off in the last 3 months. It had it done terrible for years before that. You know, last year was a pretty, you know, last 2 years were really good on tech, terrible for airlines and tourism. Mm. Like, you know, and sometimes people will say or clients, well, why didn't you buy that? It went up hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. Well, I can't tell that I can, my hindsight investing is like phenomenal. I can yeah, always right. pick winners looking backwards,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it's kind of like driving a car, but driving a car, looking through the rear of a mirror can cause a lot of accidents, but it's really easy to see what you missed. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of driving, you know, investing is a lot like driving a car and you, you can see through the window, somewhat, and you just try and avoid big mistakes is the big
0: one. Um, that, that world is shaken up a bit, right? Because there's people on TikTok giving investment advice these days at Instagram and YouTube. You know, what does that? What? What do your guts turn when you see that? It, or is it just part part of the times? It's.
1: Some in some of the education or like TikTok or Instagram videos are good. Some are uh terrible. Like where the math is like like it's just botched, mm-hmm. but you're going, Oh gosh, I hope someone's not taking this as advice. And everyone's really good about talking about their winners because it's fun. No one wants to talk about the stock they bought that went to zero. Like it, it happens and as long as you're, again, divert, own different portions and different ones, you should be okay. If you put everything in one basket, it's a pretty big bet. If you're younger, you can overcome a, a massive loss. I guess I see sometimes you know, people as they're approaching retirement, if they haven't saved enough, they see the end of their earning years in sight. I'll say 55, they're thinking, oh, geez, I could retire in five or 10 years. How much do I need? They may have not done any planning or circumstances, and they're going, Oh my gosh, I got to take a big bat to try and catch up.
0: That's a high so I'd risk say, tolerance. Yeah. That sounds like something I'd do.
1: <laughs> yeah. every, again, every, some people would be like, let's, let's go, uh, let's go parachuting out of a plane. W- why on earth would you jump out of a perfectly working plane? I've got a, Well, I've got a parachute. Nope. That's silly. Like everyone's tolerance for risk is, is different based on circumstances. Um, and you just don't know what's going to work and having at least a rough idea of like, Hey, where am I going? Am I on the right path?
0: When do you think people should start that path? Uh, And, and is there a magic number? Is it 20% of your, you know, your take home and right away? Or do you think, yeah, we should, you know, be at the roulette table for at least, at least, at least our twenties trying to figure out, you know,
1: I mean, you have to take some losses to figure out, to learn, like, you know, you're a runner. I am not a runner. If you, if someone came to you, hey, Joel, I want to run a marathon. Great. You know, it'll probably take you, you know, two years of training. No, I want to run. I got to run one next weekend. Yeah, that's, it might work, but you're probably going to get really injured. And like it's going to, and, you know, kind of planning and investing is the same way. Like I come to you and say, hey, I want to run a marathon. Great, Cam. We're going to start with a 20 minute walk run.
0: Yeah.
1: And here, here's our plan to get there. You know when should people start looking at investing i think i mean we get parents getting their kids involved when they're eight nine ten you know they open up a second account for the kids and be like and i help them through it like what do you like to do oh i love playing hockey hey do you want to own a company that makes your hockey skates or your stick yeah that'd be cool you know you know, if it's different. Oh no, I really love cartoons. Well, who's your favorite cartoon character? Oh, I love Woody and Disney. Hey, you know what? We can actually own Disney. And even if they're just, it gets them a bit more exposure into like knowing what they own and getting them into that idea.
0: I mean, it's definitely, does it give them a sense of the language of money and how, and how important do you think that is but not just for kids.
1: It's, I mean, we're not taught it in school. I mean, we, gra- I mean, granted, we graduated 20 years ago um, or more. My parents were accountants. They told me to save. I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> d- 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 on an aside, did you ever feel like my intelligence level kind of, I was the smartest I was at like 18 or 19 or 20? And then you kind of become more of an adult and you're like, I know less and less about
0: how things happen. Yes. Um, yes. I, I, I ruled the world at 20 yeah, yeah. in my own head, at least right? I know I knew everything. And until you know, I lost everything.
1: <laughs> you didn't lose everything. You're here. You made right. it through those worst okay, days. Well,
0: I on paper, I lost everything once,
1: which is fine. Like, look, there's been plenty of that happens. It happens with entrepreneurs and it's, you didn't give up. You didn't, fold in the towel and curl under a, you know, a bridge, you know, people are envious of you. You've got a wife and beautiful children and you live in British Columbia, Canada. Like that's the lottery.
0: Yeah. You know, as you get older, as I get older, that comes into my head a lot more. The appreciation for knowing how I come from a divorced home, knowing how valuable it, it is when, not how valuable it is, but how beautiful it can be when you're able to continue a relationship as shitty and hard as it can be at times, right? And sometimes you got to go, you know, we get that. That's that's normal. But, you know, we see kids who get sick at young ages and you can't understand why. And your kids are, you know, my kids are older and you're just like, that's gift. These are the intangible well, actually, they're the, you know, the most tangible points of wealth I have in my life that I would mm-hmm. say. It's, you know, some people can't
1: have kids or don't want kids, and some people want more, you know, and some people want less. Um, it's easy to look and, you know, see, again, it's kind of along the spin lines. It's like, you know, you could look at yourself and go, you know, oh, well, you know, married and kids and great, but there's always two sides of the story. You could be like, well, do you want to read the the White car, you know, the blue pill or the red pill version? Mm-hmm. It's like you can get them both mm-hmm. and be like, Yeah, you've got a wife and kids, and it's great, and they're all healthy. I lost everything financially, and whatever else, other terrible things happened to your life, mm-hmm. but it, it's just like horrible. I mean, I've been through a divorce too, like, it, it, or it, it sucks going through it. You're like, This is not what I expected, but I got through it. You know, you see light at the end of the tunnel. I think it's just surrounding yourself with. You know positive people, we all go through bad days, but you know I think being thankful for what you do have and not to put down people that don't have what you do, but just acknowledging like and just having a positive outlook and control the things you control you know people go, oh, the weather sucks or it's crummy you can't I'm like, you can't change the weather if it's cold, you can put a jacket on if it's too hot, jump in the shower like you've got those choices and options and that's just the thing is is having choices and options around, you know, money and finance. And you know, as people retire, I'll jump back there and go. Some people think, oh, I need to have a million dollars or two million or five million or ten million. How much do I need? It's really a process of reverse engineering. It's how much do I need on a monthly basis to do what I want? So you don't you don't retire on having a million bucks. You retire on I need to bring in $6,000 a month in retirement because my base costs are going to be $3,000. The things I want to do are going to be another two. And the things I dream of are going to cost me another one. Okay, how do I, how do I come up with $6,000 a month when I retire? You know, Is it Canada pension or in the States like Social Security? Um, am I going to have to draw on my own savings, you know, 401k, RSP, TFSA, or a, a company pension plan? you know, how am I going to generate that monthly income to live and do what I need to do? It's kind of what it comes down to. And, you know, if you go, Hey, no, it's, I've just got Canada pension or social security. And that covers me for about 1800 a month. Okay. And I need 6,000. So I need to come up with another 4,200 of my own money between now and call it 60. How do I get there? I, do I can eat it. there. <laughs> yeah, and that's—I mean—that's when I do a plan, and we can throw it up on the screen, or do a web—a uh, share screen, and go. Okay, well, let's say you, let's say you spend more than you think. Okay, you run out of money at eighty-eight. Okay, so what can we do to change that? You can save more now, spend less later, or take more risk on your investments. It's easier to control the things you can't, i.e., spend less, earn more we can't guarantee what return on investments are going to be, but at least that you can, we can run through scenarios of like, let's assume you spend 8,000 a month in retirement and you earn 4% and you don't, and you run out of money at 92. Oh yeah. That's pretty good. You know, beyond the average lifespan spending more than you thought earning less than you thought. So that's the kind of scenarios people need to run through. Of like, what do I need on a monthly basis to get, you know, to retire on.
0: I, uh, it almost seems like a very soft nudge and reminder that at the very least, everyone needs to do this exercise with financial planner, broker of, of, of some kind, yeah. whether it's just friendly or you know, whether you bite the bullet, but at least to have that, that knowledge. I, I've always done that in terms of it's the business plan for your life, I call it. Right. It's yeah. A little bit different. And you put point, you plug in the actual events. You know, you mentioned the things you want, the things you really, really want, put them on paper. Right. And just actually understand what it costs to do those things. And then know that, you know, a lot of that's going to shift and change. And speaking of that change and, you know, I know you've got a young kid, so I don't want to keep you too much. I can hear him in the
1: background. I, fresh,
0: fresh one. So yeah. I just wanted to ask you a couple more questions tonight and we'll do a, we'll do a part two.
1: Oh, yeah. I
0: I was curious. We talked a lot about, or at least, you know, we talked a little bit about Bitcoin, NFTs, DeFi, DAOs. And there's been this this sort of underlying dialogue that COVID was the great, or sorry, the pandemic was the great accelerant in a lot of technologies and, and the way that the world is going to go in the next little bit. And you made a comment about trends. And I just, I'm just curious, you know, your view on and all this on this sort of all holier than thou innovation that we we get very excited about, and um, you know, but where does where does the mark actually land land, and should we be concerned about some of it? Because I know this is a long way around, but a lot of it, like digital dependency, really concerns me, and a lot of people. I hate the talk of of digital passports from the standpoint of more digital dependency and, and having to further engage in, in things that I, I don't understand because I don't understand the, the the nuance of what makes those things run. And that scares me. I, and yeah, you know, and um
1: it does, it's not scary if it was operated properly. And that's the concern mm-hmm. I think is the, is out there is, in a perfect world it makes a lot of sense people aren't perfect and greed is a problem governments aren't great allocators of capital i mean they you know i don't mind paying a lot of tax just don't waste my money and that is a corporate that's a kind of a corporate culture or governmental culture is it, it's very hard to change and shift it
0: is that um, global or is that are you just referring to canada or, or- it's
1: it's global you know, People go, oh, how are we ever going to pay back this debt? Governments don't need to run on paying back their debt. That's not a, that's a, that's a misnomer. We'll touch on that maybe another time. Digital dependency is okay, except there there's all these different wires running everywhere. You've got DeFi and blockchain and Ethereum and Bitcoin and Visa and MasterCard and the SWIFT system that everyone's aware of now with Russia being cut off SWIFT, Swift system. So you've got all these wires running. We also don't all speak English in the world. So, or operate banking or lending or credit the same way or taxation. Canada, you don't know, pay your taxes. Yeah, once you start owing about 40 grand the CRA, life gets a little bit more difficult. You know, I don't know how Greece works or other foreign countries, but you there's not a lot of enforcement if you don't pay your taxes in certain countries. So Trying to get them all onto one system that works—it's it, kind of like the euro. It's a great idea, but when you've got Italy, Greece, Germany, you know, um, you know, France, Spain operating on a common currency, when they all have different governmental regimes, feelings, emotions, treatment of money, it's very difficult to have a common currency. And I think the same way to be on the digital side, it's have something digital that's universal. Great. You got paid a Bitcoin, but you can go buy 5,000 acres in Africa and all of a sudden own that because there's no way that someone in Africa has got the same earning potential as someone in North America. So yeah, it's. I agree. Too much digital is not a good thing. I mean, with the 500 different passwords I've got. um,
0: (laughs) I'm still, I'm locked out of my Google account today because I Changed yeah. the password six days ago, apparently. I don't remember doing that. Yeah. Um,
1: it, it, digital is a good thing. It's also, of course. An, yeah. An, it's also got pitfalls. And, you know, I think governments, people, institutions are trying to navigate it very fast. And like you said, with COVID coming on, this rapid increase, you know, people were given stimulus checks and it's meant to bridge the gap. It bridges the gap in the short term but it just widens the gap in the long-term between the haves and the have nots. So printing money is a really easy thing for governments to do essentially. And it makes it look good. Like, Hey, we're helping people out getting through the the crunch. It just widens the gap for things later on. So it's a short-term solver, but it doesn't fix the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And with COVID shutdown, people had a lot more time, you know, their wages stopped. So they started looking for other ways to try and, Flip things, buy NFTs, start cryptocurrencies just to try and earn a bit more to get ahead. And there's always a curve out there. It's like the early adopters, then like the smart money comes in, and then the herd comes in, and you get this massive run up in you know, all kinds of things. And then it different bounces down until it finds its long term average. Like you could say, long term you know, return average in BC real estate is about 7%. In Canada, it's five occasionally gets overbought but it's not going to come back to where it was it's probably going to come back to that long-term average at some point yeah and with the shutdown it just changed things like we were sent home everybody worked from home did you need to be living working you know uh, recreation downtown vancouver so much no like people started realizing hey i can do you know the same x-ray technician job in vernon get paid the same amount as living in Downtown Vancouver, mm-hmm. but I can own a house out there.
0: Yeah, yeah I can, saw, saw I, a ton of that. That was incredible. Made um, people happier.
1: They started realizing, hmm, you know, maybe there's more. Like, granted, their entertainment got shut down. There's no hockey games or concerts. You know, if you're out in, you know, eight hours away from the city core, your Amazon parcel takes an extra
0: day. So, heaven forbid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Things have just changed. Like it, it, it sped things up and I think it, you know, it was a good thing. It gave people a bit of a gut check in the sense of like, am I doing what I like or love, you know, or is there other options out there?
0: I uh, no, I totally hear you. I mean, do you have any concerns about where all this has gone in the last couple? Yeah. Of years? There's,
1: there's chatter around like a social credit system.
0: I don't even just mean that. I, I, but yeah, you can go on, please. Yeah, central bank digital currency is something that's chattered
1: about. Like, we, not a lot of people use cash anymore, so our, our currency is essentially digital. I can send an email transfer to you. My Visa card is not handling cash. However, in the centralized system, call it off blockchain, the banking system, the Visa, there's no accounting for what dollar is what or where it's been. So if there's if you have a dollar in your bank account, you put another dollar in. You you can't tell me what, well, which dollar is which. With the blockchain, you can. Mm-hmm. So you can you can trace it back and track it. Um, so yeah, central bank digital currency. There's pros and cons. You can you can get instant stimulus to people that are affected, like Fort McMurray fires. You can it's, you can instantly shoot money into their bank accounts to give them you know, Red Cross money. Um. The downside is if maybe someone's not paying their bill or child support or family maintenance, all of a sudden the government knows your bank account and can restrict it, and that could be a problem if yeah. it was abused.
0: people feel feel fearful of the overreach of that and you're but you're talking about that globally you're not just talking about that nationally, right
1: yeah, and that's where you know Canada' we're pretty you know democratic society democratic republic not every country in the world is as we've currently seen under certain you know global events you know China's and Russia run differently Italy's run differently you know we've got family in Australia Scotland and Pop- Poland they've got different outlooks and trying to get everybody on a on a one track system is not going to work it, it, it never has yeah we're we're individuals we're different people like
0: yeah
1: uh, and it, it's just not going to work too much digital is, is, is a challenge uh, going forward. Cause it can be abused just kind of like everything in moderation is good. Almost everything too much running. I mean, you do too much running, it, you know, without controls to be like running too much, not hydrated, whatever it is. Like if you just ran all time, like you too much, if you drink too much water, you can become drunk on water. You know, too much alcohol, too much working out, you know, too much,
0: too much of anything, too much do savings. Think, do like you think the government is going to, or people are going to realize that, that there's, that <sighs> it's just, or, or what is the factor where that all of a sudden becomes really uncomfortable to people? They become very uncomfortable as a whole.
1: I mean, you're, you're seeing that. <laughs> uprising of populism call it a new form of you know politics is appealing to get you in and then when you're in there it ain't getting done but it got you in mm-hmm. so it's it, it's a lot that's a problem i mean this felt uh,
0: that's why everything has just felt very self-serving you just it's you just don't hear many people saying anything Period. They say what needs to be said, and they don't do it. So I just—it mm-hmm. just doesn't feel like anyone's saying anything. And
1: like you know, some people will go. I mean, let's call oil prices. They go, oh, I remember this was a, a local MP, member of parliament. So like a the U.S. equivalent of like a um kind of like a senator, kind of like a, um, a House of Representatives going, oh, we've got all this natural gas, and we can we can. Get it out of the ground at $2 and sell it to foreign markets at 12. And what didn't come up, people go, that's a great idea. Like you realize our prices of gas will go higher locally, even if we get it out at two. Well, no, that doesn't make sense. Like, why would they sell it to the locals at $2 when they can ship it offshore at 12? It's not a perfect solution. So, you know, you think it's going to go higher. Well, yeah, we'll ship it, ship it off and make 12. But it's going to be 12 but 10 bucks here. So it, Canada's got a lot of resources. You know, that's a whole other issue of trying to extract them in an efficient long-term sustainable way. But you know, some people go, oh, well, we just need to pump more gas and, and we'll be fine. Like, you know, our gas price will be 10 cents. No. If we pump more, more people will want it. You mean pump
0: pump it out of the oil fields?
1: Yeah.
0: So you're saying one one more time, like I'm a a (laughs) 12-year-old? We pump gas out of the oil fields. It does not change the currently $2 a liter price we're dealing
1: with. It'd take a long time. Mm -hmm. Because even just hop onto Google and do a search for price per liter worldwide. There's a lot of places cheaper. There's a lot of places more expensive also depends on like where the country is situated you know can they support other forms of energy like Canada we have a lot of hydroelectric from you know water and dams oil we've got some nuclear plants we've got wind you get into some of the other countries you know that are landlocked there may be no dams maybe they're reliant on coal there's no natural gas and so when they're when they're stuck to one energy source
0: um, the price goes up mm-hmm. and in Canada, You're saying Canada would rather sell their barrels elsewhere for more than make it cheaper here. That's the net of it.
1: Yeah. I mean With let's say some of your businesses, if you can sell underwear in Canada, you know, 40 million people for $40 a pair, but you can appeal to the UK and there's a hundred million people in the UK and you can get 80. Do you really want to sell them locally at 40?
0: But taking out, I hear you, and taking out the corporate mindset, theoretically, within a government structure, that cash find its way to the people anyway, right? In some form or another, whether it's a park or a...
1: It should. It kind of comes back to the, you know, maybe there's not, maybe a government DAO would be a, a, of interest in the sense of keeping governments a bit more accountable to not wasting money. Yeah. Um, you know, we call them poor allocators of capital. They do really good things, but they also waste it. I mean, sometimes too. Um, it's a it's a tough balancing act, and taxation is a really taxation is a really easy one to get past. Being like, oh, we're going to tax people that earn more and more. Canada's kind of looked at as a very globally, we're looked at it as a high tax, red tape country. You want to start a business? We're not exactly. Super business friendly.
0: No, we're not. We so were the most me. business friendly we've ever been during COVID. Yeah, because of all the grants and all the all the different avenues that opened up that helped businesses stay alive are the same things in many respects that mm-hmm. innovation needs to begin with. I hate to That's cut this short, but I, but I but I've got to <laughs> you've got to go. So I uh, I won't. I know we got to we got to end this abruptly. So all I'll say is two things. One, any place you recommend people to have a look if they just they want to they want a couple really legit places to learn more about finance and wealth management and wealth building and two where can they find you
1: just my website cameronwilson.ca you know send me an email we can have a chat see where things go from there uh the other part you know really good web there's some good websites out there for for learning investopedia can get you through a lot of the terms um Canadian Securities Institute in Canada is kind of where we get a lot of our licensing and designations from. So that's got some consumer resources. You know, BC Securities Commission is a good website for getting educated on investing basics and how to stay away from, Mm -hmm. you know, bad actors out there. SEC
0: equivalent in the United States.
1: Yeah. SEC equivalent. Find someone that's licensed, Google them. See if they're licensed. I mean, we've come across people, they go, Oh, yeah, I got a financial advisor. You're like, Oh, just curious who it is. You look them up, and it's like, they're not licensed. It's just someone that's random on TikTok <laughs> you know, or Instagram. There's, I mean, it, again, TikTok, how much financial advice are you going to get in a minute? There's good ones, there's bad ones. Like,
0: I hear you. Cam, thank you so okay. much, mate. I know you got a 30, <laughs> 36 year old. I'm going to let you go, brother. Okay. Talk to you soon. Right. Bye. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening to The Ramble. We you know, there is a lot of podcasts out there, so we thank you for choosing to listen all the way through on this one. You know, we want to be part of the, the solution, the, the good questions, the things that move you and inspire you make you want to connect deeper with yourself and others you know all that great stuff so if the spirit does move you subscribe share post anything we'd be forever grateful and if you have any comments or feedback good bad ugly it doesn't matter we're here to listen guests to think we should have on of course send them along thank you and until next time peace